it was one of those first times I had an aha moment. I was like, oh, it's not about medicine. It's a business. It's capitalism. You can't charge for oxygen. <laughs> it's pennies on the dollar. You take oxygen and you charge it through a tube with electricity and you make ozone, which is O3, three molecules of oxygen. Well, when that oxygen hits the blood, any pathogen, any virus, it's gone. And you're oxygenating the system. So this is something I was doing at home and I was like, what else is out there? What's up? My name is CJ Finley and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Freddie Kimmel. He is a leading expert in the field of wellness technology and a highly sought after consultant for companies such as Ampcoil and Lightpath LED. He is a certified functional health coach, personal trainer, and gut health specialist, and has been featured in prestigious publications such as the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and Dance Magazine. With the wealth of knowledge and experience in the industry, he is also a proud survivor of metastatic cancer, Lyme, and toxic mold, which has given him a unique perspective on the power of the human spirit and how to live a healthier, happier life. As the host of the critically acclaimed podcast, The Beautifully Broken, Freddie empowers and educates listeners on the value of wellness technology, such as PEMF, frequency, pulse light, supplements, oxygen therapy, and more, all to help people activate their body's natural healing mechanisms. He conducts interviews with experts in various fields of wellness and provides valuable and practical information on these topics, as well as tips, resources, and testimonials from his listeners. Before dedicating his life to wellness, Freddie was a talented performer, having toured across the country in Broadway productions such as Phantom of the Opera, Billy Elliot, and the Broadway-bound Cagney the Musical. With a deep understanding of the healing power of music, he continues to use it as a driving force in the way he helps others. Please welcome to the show, Freddie Kimmel. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I have a good friend of mine, Freddie Kimmel, with me here in the Thrive on Life studio. We're showing him around and he was showing me what he's up to, which is super exciting. I can't wait to get into that. First thing we always ask everybody when they come on the show, though, is how are you doing today, Freddie? I feel really good today. I feel inspired. I am engineering some, some of my life schedule or my commitments to be able to explore creativity and artistry and and make that the focus of my day. So that is so exciting. It's a, it's a runway that it is scary to be in a plane where you don't know if it has enough gas or the horsepower to take you there, but I'm taking off. I'm doing it. I love how you just paraphrase that because I've seen some of the stuff that you've been working on. Freddie was showing me his YouTube prior to this and you haven't been working at the capacity of going all in on something like that. So I'm very excited to see what it looks like when you do have the capacity to do that, which it sounds like coming soon. That's what it sounds. That's where you're headed. So it's going to be super impactful for other people out there because Freddie is very well knowledge in the space of health and wellness. And today's conversation is going to start off with how that became so, and a lot of it was through his own struggles. So looking back on your story, I saw that 
you've been in, in and out of the hospital multiple times, had a couple different things going on in your, in your world, especially in the early 2000s. Um, and then 2011, getting some of your intestines taken out. So there's been some things that have gone on. And one of the things that I've struggled with in, in my 20s is the mindset of why me when, with my health struggles. I look at people older than me specifically even in my family that haven't seemed to have struggled as much as I have and they're three times my age. And that at times would wear me down because I started thinking, why on earth is this, has this been bestowed upon me? And I wanted to kick this show off because you've been through some heavy shit and battled cancer already. Um, when that was happening to you, was there any times that you had that question? Why me? There were definitely moments. There were definitely moments in which I was experiencing extreme anger and frustration. And I felt like I had been robbed of time because at the time I was, I was in New York city. I was pursuing my dream of being a Broadway performer and it was unfolding. And so cancer and autoimmunity and as you mentioned, opening up your intestine multiple times and taking out feet of small bowel inhibits that dream. And I do remember every knock that put me down on the floor. Um, there were moments of just anger and, and aggression and how can this time be taken away from me when I'm so close and I feel so set for success? I have the tools, I have the talent, the opportunity's opening. The door is literally opening. I'm, 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 I'm invited to go sing on the stage at the Kennedy Center with a Broadway-bound show. And no, today you're going to deal with cancer. And the best thing I can say is that I remember the waves of anger and frustration washing over my body and very quickly pivoting to saying, okay, great. I've got a new challenge. I've got a new role that has been plopped in my lap. I have no choice but to accept this. So I'm going to take the same veracity that I would apply to learning how to do vocal acrobatics around a song, and I'm going to apply it to fight cancer or get over the surgery. And And I knew I, knew I had that ability to pivot very, very quickly and release the anger and frustration, release the why me, which I think is why I had such a good turnaround. Where in your past set you up to be successful to do that? Because you don't just, most people aren't just born with that ability to pivot and be like, all right, I'm going to transfer my energy from this one vehicle to this next and I'm going to beat cancer. It can be very taxing on the mind, body and spirit, but it sounds like you had built up something prior to that to allow you to do that. Was that Broadway? Was that theater? Was that your childhood? What kind of special sauce do you feel gave you the ability to do that? Yeah. You know, I had amazing parents who, whatever they went through in life, I witnessed them get back up again and again and again. My dad was a, an engineer and a mechanical engineer. And, and many times, whether it was, um, circumstances beyond his control where they were the family business was stole out from under them. I watched my dad like triple mortgage his home and start the next day and go out and rent a barn 
to build equipment in and then build that back up to the biggest mechanical engineering firm in upstate New York. Now, I was a kid, so I just, I watched this happen and you're just like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, my dad's amazing. It was just what, what was, you know, and there were all these things that, you know, hindsight on these experiences, you're like, wow, that is incredible. That's baller energy. Yeah. To do that the next day after you, your family company is stolen from you. And so there's these experiences that I, I do have and my parents, you know, I could, I could look at both my mother and my father and look at incredible moments of adversity that they thrived in. And then I can also say, I'll stack that with being in a theater community and finding my true expression and my voice there among other artists is very freeing. You really, you learn, I learned who I am deeply because you're, you're getting up on a stage and you're, you're retelling somebody else's story, but to put a story on yourself, you really have to understand how you move, how you speak, how you hold space, how you hold the space between space. So those skills that you pick up on stage are, it's un, nobody else in the world will ever have these skills. You're going to walk into a room and you're going to be probably one of the most dynamic people in the room. You're going to be one of the best listeners because you have to be. From my experience being on stage, it's it's not, there is no performing. It's like, how am I actively listening to what's happening on this Tuesday night show? And Wednesday and Thursday, they're all going to be different, beautifully different. But I have to respond in real time. And that's, it's such a great skill. So finding yourself, discovering yourself allows you to be um, fearless in a way in those moments of adversity. You know, I remember my, my, remember my, doctor it, one time we had we had I had been diagnosed I had got on a plane I flew home to be with my family because it was it was really heavy we went right to the emergency room at a, at a new hospital in my hometown University of Rochester strong Memorial Hospital and I woke up in the morning and they had done all these scans and all these tests and my whole family was sitting around me around the hospital bed and there was scans up on the wall and the doctor, as I'm waking, he's like, all right, Freddie, he's like, we really got to move quickly here. There's a tumor here and here and here and here and here. And he was like, we're going to start with surgery. We're going to get you right in here in the next 45 minutes. And I was just like, looked at everybody. I was like, okay. Holy shit. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have another choice. And. You're just in the fire. You're it's in the like, fire. There's no, there was no even like pouring the gasoline. It was just like one minute you're not, one minute you are. No. Burning. Burning. And you know when <laughs> you know when your relatives and your cousins and your aunts and uncles are all there, you're like, oh, this is bad. You know, this is, this is, it's a, yeah, I, I can only imagine what they were experiencing, you know, on the other side, which, which has, as time has gone on and I've had chance, uh, chances to process some of the trauma that was going through cancer and, and chemotherapy and metastatic cancer, that as bad as you're hurting, the people on the other side of the hospital bed would quickly trade positions to take away your suffering. And I had many people in my family say, I would trade positions with you in a second. I hate that this is happening to you at 26. And yeah, you, that's, he that's heavy. It's it heavy. goes back to the point of what I open up with is just like, you look at like I was in my own ego of looking at other people, like why me? But the reality is they're probably taking on 
pain of other people that they've known in their own lives that have went through something at a younger age and asked themselves, well, I wish I could actually take some of that pain away. So that's a, that's a very interesting lens to look at because we only think what we think. We can't be there in that, like in theater, you're there looking at how you're speaking and how your body is moving but I can't do that for somebody else. And I think a lot of times we unfortunately take the path of assuming that the people in the room don't understand or don't just, I'm a big believer in most people are just good people. So if any, if everybody is good people, which sounds like your family was, it's just like, wow, how can, how can I know these people would be willing to take a bullet for me? So how do I fight through this and get to the other end of that? And, I'd like if you were to explain the energy that you put in to get to that other side and to believe because that is one of the hardest parts. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember I remember going through my experience and and like we said like I started with like rheumatoid arthritis level pain that I sort of put on the back burner of I'm young, I'm 21, 22. I'm going to just take Advil and Indomethacin and Plaquenil. Um, hydroxychloroquine is what they'd give to undiagnosed like rheumatoid arthritis-like symptoms back in 2000, 2001. And, and it evolved to a day where I was diagnosed with cancer. So it, it was a long time coming. I just, I give this I give this timeline from 2001 to 2006 as cancer, 2007 is, is called a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection where they open up your chest, they take out your small bowel, they cut away all the tumors, they put it all back in, they step you up, like 55 staples. And then 2011 is an emergency surgery where they're taking out small bowel. 2015, they're going back in and just cutting out lysing adhesion with lasers around my, my intestines because I'm in so much pain. So I have like 2001 to like 2015 where I'm literally like in and out of the hospital. And so I give that timeline just to say the scope of suffering or living in the valley of death is profound. I hear people often say, oh my God, this happened to me. And it's like a date <laughs> <laughs> or like, uh, I, oh, I had a, you know, I had an adhesion and I, I did scar tissue and, and I've never really recovered. And I'm always like, huh, that's, I mean, it's amazing to have that experience and understand that that does happen. But my story was like, it just kept unfolding and it got worse and worse and more heavy until it didn't. So there were many moments where I was taken to my knees there's one in particular where I was on 52nd Street between 9th and 10th Ave in Hell's Kitchen. And it was snowing and I was crushed with brain fog. I, my brain didn't feel like it could really even see. I was so fatigued, chronic fatigue syndrome. I'm in chronic pain, can't poop, can't do anything. And I, I walked by this monastery and it was like there was an angel and it was like snowing in New York. It was cold. I'm just trying to get some steps in. And I, I saw this angel covered in snow. I like dropped to my knees. I was like, just did a prayer, you know? Um, and I was just like, if I ever, if I'm able to be a functional human being with good energy and clear thoughts, I will be a fucking lighthouse. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. 
You are. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. 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 It's driven by it's driven by the extreme polarity of how bad I felt, how long it took to get better. And then I have this lived experience where I I I pretty much I pretty much can talk to any human being and when they tell me it's bad, I'm like, I know. You know, I I'm like done it, been there, had that happen. Many of these you know, the, we, we talk about solutions for these chronic illnesses in the wellness community, the biohacking community. And I was like, yeah, I know that happened. That one too, that one too. So I, I speak from experience. Um, and I know it's, what's been really valuable and I know it's been, um, flawed in its education and understanding. So, you know, to, to, again, to answer your question, it's just, there is, I definitely have a genetic proponent wound into my DNA that allows me to put one foot in front of the other and keep getting up and and just believing, believing beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm going to get better. And I always had that. I never thought I would be like, oh, I'm going to get to an acceptable level where I'm still compromised and still have to do a coffee enema to poop. I always knew I'm like, I'm going to get bowel function back. You know, I, I, I knew and, and I still, I still, there's still little things I work on. But I know I don't think I'm like, oh, I'm gonna live with this. Never. It's not what if. No. Yeah. It's when. Yeah. I really like that because I'm empathetic towards that view and the energy you're talking about. It reminds me when I was younger, like I was a kid with the leash and I always was rambunctious and I had all this energy. And when I look back, I was counterbalancing how much pain I was in. Like sitting in my pain didn't help doing things helped. And even yesterday I like tweaked my back over the weekend. I don't know what happened. I don't know if that my liver was off or something was off and it, it was like crippling pain for 24 hours. And yesterday it was a little bit better, but then I asked myself, I was like, is the pain of sitting here wallowing in it worse than me going for a jog? And I'm like the jog is less painful than if I just sit here. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because when you're sitting there in the pain, it can seem like it's never going to end. How am I going to get on? But what I've realized, and it seems like the same thing with you, is just like taking action and believing in that action is ultimately what brings us the quote unquote cure, which I don't necessarily think the cure is like, we're going to be healthy for the rest of our lives or you're not going to have disease and you're just going to live this super abundant, no problematic lifestyle. But the cure really is, oh, I can conquer anything that comes my way. When you were in theater, what struggles did you have when you first got into that, that also parlayed into helping you battle disease because when i think even just podcasting i think of this as like one version of theater yeah when i go speak at colleges or south by southwest is going on right now i feel like i'm on top of cloud nine on the stage because i've practiced here but there were struggles even here podcasting when i first started when i was just using my phone and i was like super nervous and i didn't know how to talk to guests and i didn't know how to ask questions so i battled through it on the podcasting stage which then helped me on other stages now if we're talking freddie's life and you were into theater and you had this passion for theater that's one stage and then the other stage is like battling disease 
what struggles in the theater world parlayed into that battle yeah. with illness? It's a great question. Extreme adversity. I say that as a white male <laughs> with, with, with knowing that like, it's so hard to make it in theater and is what this, is what is making it in theater? Because I'm new to this, so like, what is right. making it in theater? Well, yeah, like? let's just let's define that. Let's just say you like you're making your living, you're paying your rent, you're you're eating food, and you you can sustain life through just musical theater. That's a really really. How <laughs> many people in the U.S. are oh doing that? Nobody. I mean, dude, how many people are in the U.S.? Three hundred and thirty million, I believe. Yeah. It's like 0.000001%. Wow. I, I would go to an audition a lot of times and there'd be 500 guys in the room. Be like, guys, we need one. We need one guy. Everybody's. How is that not demoralizing as soon as you walk into the room? Not only that, CJ, but every time your job ends, you got to go back into the room. And sometimes it's 2,000 guys. Every single time your contract ends, every show that my ended, I did theater from 2001 to 2018. Every single time a show ends, you go find another job. I did that 135 times. So every single time, my, my parents were always, how do you deal with this rejection? It must suck. Like everybody would say, and I was like, I, it is, I always got a rush off of it. I loved being in the room. I loved the challenge. I loved small odds and I had my strengths. You know, I was a really good singer. I was a pretty good actor. I was a decent tap dancer and, and not such a great like ballet, balletic trained. It was like my, definitely my weak point. In fact, I would say I'm bad at it, but I had to be good enough. You know, I had to, I had to hone and I was definitely what would someone would call like a triple threat. I, I was a pretty good mover, singer, dancer, act. I could do all of it. So, you keep assessing the field and you're like, I would always look, where can I be better in that field of adversity? Like my first three years in New York, I took a dance class like every single day for year, three years. Cause that was my weakest thing. You know, every dollar I had, I invested back into a voice lesson every week. I was in an on-camera class, film class. The, the whole time I was in New York, I was training. It was like boot camp for the next job. Always knowing you're investing in yourself. It's like Freddie Kimmel LLC is like parlaying the skills of one show or I get to work with a Tony winning award actor and then I'm going to go work with somebody else. And and both amazing jobs. Like I was in the national tour, the Broadway tour of Phantom of the Opera. Like I remember going to see Phantom of the Opera and I was like, "Wow, Broadway." And I was like, one day I'm like in a costume and I'm on stage and there's the phantom. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, not many people can say this. And that was just tenacity and hard work. And, and you know, networking, understanding that, oh, this guy's not an asshole to work with. As, as much as skill plays into, you need to have the chops, you need to be able to do the job, but you also have to be a likable human being. And that plays in, into all things in life. We know this. It is not the most talented person who gets the big paycheck or the big job, right? So much to unpack. I know. It's, <laughs> Did I answer me, your question? No, that was, yeah. And it, 
the, the, it basically is a summary of what instilled belief in you. The belief was beating the odds of being up on stage. It wasn't, I love how you said that because you weren't focused on being the phantom. Like your focus was on the process of I'm going to sign up for a dance class every day. I'm going to control what I can control. And I think with disease and illness and the question that I, that I asked, how did the one stage help you battle the other is showing up and controlling what you can control every day. And the number one thing that most people think is out of their control, which is your mind, that first thought that comes to your mind isn't necessarily in your control, but the second thought and then the actions taken after those thoughts are within your control. And that's where most people falter. So if you're talking about Broadway, that first thought of you walk into, I'm just picturing this. It's, it's really cool for me. You, you walk in and there's 500 other people that you're competing against. Immediately the thoughts that jump to most people's mind is, oh shit, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to get picked. What are the other shows I could go to that might give me better odds? Yada, 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 so on and so forth. I think everybody has those thoughts, even when you, when you are great. The greatest of the great have those thoughts. That's what encourages them to keep perfecting and keep going. Um, but the, the separation is in the people that are like, okay, have that first thought. But then the second thought is like, why am I here in the first place to just improve at 1% better and better? So I always love to help people understand that why behind things. Like, why are they here and how? Because if the why is off, you would just give up. You wouldn't stay there. You would just quit. But you stuck it out to do the dance classes, to do the singing classes. More people just need to find what it is that fulfills that why. Mm. Why theater for Freddie when you were younger? Yeah. How did you stumble upon it? What feeling did you have? And did you know right away that this is something I'm going to bleed for, cry about, sweat for? Because I think there's just too many people in this world that are just struggling to find that thing. They're just doing too little of what Freddie's theater, quote unquote, would be. And one of the reasons is they just aren't asking themselves the right question to get to that feeling. So run us through how that theater became the why for yeah. Freddie and his youth. You, when you were talking, when you were speaking, I, I was reminded of this teacher who I didn't remember her name to this moment, Kimberly Vaughn. And she'd sit down with everybody in class and, and you'd have such a wide smattering of talent in this class. You'd have people that were like, oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and then you'd have people that have gone on to win Tony Awards in the same room. And that was the magic of New York for me. I was like, God, this is wild. I'd get so stoked about it. I love being in class. And she used to start class and she'd say, I have a question for you. If not you, who? If not now, when? And I was like, oh, that's nice. It's cheesy. And, and I think about that all the time now. Because it's really valuable. If it's not going to be you, who should it be? And if it's not today that you're going to commit to this work, When? And there's so many things we can think about how powerful that statement is, but it's really, it's stuck with me and it's rolled with other things in my life. I think the to go back to your question, like you, I was a kid with way too much energy, ADHD, ADD, I don't know. I was not diagnosed, but I would do very poorly in, in school. I just couldn't 
sit in the seat. I couldn't focus. Um, I was very social. My teachers were like, he's bright, but it's really hard to get him like reading or like, you know, speaking slowly and is like blurs over his THs and they sent me in speech class, writing class and all these things. And I remember being in, got signed up for a high school musical and it was like, we're being celebrated to be goofy. We're being encouraged to dance and sing and run around and just be crazy screaming or storytelling the community was so embracing much more so than like I was a uh, I was soccer player all through high school um stronger bonds and and just a, again a palette of people like from the nerdiest kid to the coolest kid to the uh to the biology teacher who was playing trumpet in the band it was just like a community like a family affair and people love being there. And I knew it was like some sort of a community I wanted to be in. I never, never, never thought I was going to go be a professional music theater person. Um, I can tell you that I have a memory of my head of, of kind of like, you know, in and out of different colleges. I went to a couple of colleges, not really knowing where I was going to go. And happened to be hired at a professional theater over the summer, like a summer stock in, in New London, New Hampshire, called the New London Barn Theater, which is very famous th- summer stock theater. And I got there, and it was just like 2001 in the summer, and there's all these kids that have been hired there from like New York University and Columbia and Catholic University of America and, you know, you name it, the best music theater programs in the world. And I'm there also with with all these kids and they're all taking off. They're going to New York City and they're like, we're going to go be on Broadway. What are you going to do? And I was like, uh, I get that sounds fun. I guess I'll do that, too. And so, as I mentioned before, my dad had a mechanical engineering for him who I worked for since I was 13. I was like cleaning the floor. I was estimating on architectural drawings. I was going out and delivering you know, aluminum ductwork to job sites. And it was this point where, you know, I sort of had to make the decision to leave the the family business. And I can tell you, I was, again, I was always late to work. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, um, I did not have the tenacity in, in that type of a, like rolling into work at eight o'clock, you know, sitting down at a desk working for the family business. And I took off to New York and you know, I, I went to New York in, in September 2001. Like, like the city was smoldering with ash from 2011. And so, like, m- my parents were pissed off. My dad was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to go do what? You know, and I, like, went with, like, $380 in a suitcase. I stayed on a pull-out bed on a floor with next to a litter box in Queens, the seven train went right over our apartment and, you know, I, I set down my bags and was like, well, let me go try this audition thing. And I, I went to an audition for a Broadway tour and I booked it. I booked my first audition. Wow. Yeah. Not, and not, and, and it was fu- I, like, it'd be good and bad. It could be good and bad. <laughs> well, it put me in this, it put me in, in work mode. You know, it put me on a, a contract for a year to make my living from theater 
And it made me realize how bad I was. You know, I was like, I fit a mold. They're like, oh, I, I'm serviceable. I'm a functionary in the storytelling. But my, I saw, I'm like, these kids are great. They're amazing. They've dedicated their whole lives to dancing and learn how to point their feet and their lines and reading music and all these things that I was like really subpar at. So it really made me see in, in that comparing myself to another human being, I'm like, if I'm really going to do this, I got to get to work. So that's how it started. And I just, you know, once, once you get hired to sing and dance for a living and tour around the United States, kind of like a little rock star, you know, I was like on a tour bus with a national tour of Annie, get your gun. And so we'd roll into all these cities and it was like 2000 people, 3000 people like screaming for your show. I was like, this is amazing. It's electric. It's electric. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, speaking to the point of not getting up at eight in the morning, which I'm now a morning person. I never thought that would happen. I, I could roll into work at six 30 at night and just be ready for a seven o'clock, seven 30 curtain. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. The, the lifestyle, it's so funny, like how your life lifestyle changes over the years and like what you're optimizing for when you're younger. Cause like, yeah, I've never been a morning person. Um, now, I guess, I don't know, because with all the the hustlers out there and the people promoting 5 a.m. wake-up times, I don't know if I'm a morning person anymore, because if you're considering morning like 5 a.m., that's not me. Um, yeah. But usually 7 a.m., and, and, and we're rocking and rolling. So I loved in that story um, where it just sounds like you were just like intuitively going with your mm-hmm. gut. And the other thing... Um, with when you were younger of just not what's the word for it not conforming mm-hmm. not conforming to the what the people around you like you you're talking about theater and how it was diverse and there's uh you have the nerdiest people and then you have the coolest people and then you just have this melting pot and you were just looking to understand yourself and find an environment that created stronger bonds and i think that's a unique thing that I never never really thought about until you were saying it here with theater. And I'm noticing the same thing in like entrepreneurship where in theater, I think the struggle is when you're younger is just like you're seen as the outsider. Like at least like I was an athlete, four sport athlete. If you would ask me to do theater then, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like yeah. I'm an athlete, right? And we just like labeled ourselves and for theater, that's where it's like you're kind of the outcast of uh, what would the school environment be? Because there's all these different clubs. It's just like you have the theater 100%. kids. Like they're, they're labeled this thing, good or bad or indifferent. That's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm trying to relate to, though, is how it has set you up for success in today's world. Because I look at you as somebody that is so multifaceted because of, now I know because of that past ability to sleep in New York on the floor, get up, book auditions, conquer the fear of being one in 500, building up resistance to getting rejected. So instead of getting rejected and quitting, it's like, okay, it doesn't mean anything against me. I'm just going to keep going. And how that parlayed into the health and wellness industry and entrepreneurship mm. I'm starting to see a clearer picture because the ability to fight rejection 
in theater helps you with sales. The feeling of, okay, maybe I'm a little bit different, but I have this really close-knit group. I mean, I don't know how else to describe like our health and wellness like biohacker scene where it's just like we're all helping each other and doing these things. But to the outside world, I was telling you this before we jumped on the podcast, like even my own family, I look like a black sheep because like, what the fuck? You, you, you're buying all these weird random things and you're, you're spending your energy and all this time doing these different things and studying your blood and tracking your sleep. It can look intense to the outside world, but we're this really close knit group. And I wanted to really spotlight that with you because anybody listening to this, I want you to know that there's 180 degrees to the human existence. You don't have to just have the job as the salesperson or just be the engineer like you were talking about. You can have this multitude of experiences and almost living multiple lives in in one life. And I'd like to parlay what we were talking about with the theater into kind of more of the the recent version of Freddie where you're really making a an, a positive impact in the health and wellness space and you're so well versed in all the different products that are out there. When did the transition of theater go into okay, now I'm going to kind of utilize those skills and that really strong why of the past in this what I would say new category or genre. Yeah. When did that spark first ignite for you? Yeah, it's it's interesting. The you know, things things I didn't quite lay in there in the story is is part of the the onset of rheumatoid arthritis was Lyme disease. Um part of the severe chronic fatigue was I had bought a house with floor to ceiling black mold. So I kept having these immune system hits and as you know, it's it's very it's been wild to experience cancer. When you have a tumor, you're you're going to walk into a hospital, into an oncology um, establishment, and they're going to do one of three or four things. Right? They know how to they know how to work with you. Uh, good, bad, indifferent, perfect. There's a formula. With these mystery stealth pathogens like Lyme or Lyme co-infection like Bartonella or Babesia or chronic Epstein Barr infections it's really muddy. And so these lingering infections, once you've had a compromised immune system can hang around. And because I had tried every single doctor and in, in, that I could get my hands on in New York city, I had went to the Morrison center. I had went to Dr. Beers. I had flown out to the, um, national Institute of, uh, the SIBO center in Portland for gut dysbiosis. I had went everywhere. And very, I never really had success. You know, I can say that they were really successful in cutting open my body and taking out tumors. They were really successful in burning down the remaining tumors with chemotherapy. It's like very like clear cut. The all the chronic things, it was it that's it was the um, that was living in that valley of of death. I was always there, and so I started to ask different questions about what I could do that I was not going to get in a doctor's office, whether it was lifestyle or biohacking. And so things like self-administering and self-injecting ozone into my veins in my apartment in New York City, getting an orange, learning how to stick a vein, learning how to buy a machine online, tourniquet. You know, this I know this sounds wild and like sort of dangerous, and it definitely is dangerous. I wouldn't do this at home. But I was so sick, I didn't care. 
I didn't want to being sick. Didn't want to live. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to kill myself, but I was like, I'm not living this way anymore. So I'm yeah. going to fucking do something to move the needle. So it's so funny. I booked an appointment with this doctor who I could not afford, but I went into his office and I just, I put on my camera when he walked out and I was just like, I taped all his equipment and I got online. I bought it all. And then I found some expert, some nurse that I won't name her name, but she taught me to do all this stuff. And so things like that. And I really had a shift in my fatigue from ozone therapy. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Why is this not talked about? It must be like, you know, woo woo medicine. You start to look around and today there's 3000 clinical trials where even in the nineties, now this pisses me off and I hope that anybody that hears this, like there were people that were dying of AIDS induced diarrhea. Like people would just, you'd have diarrhea so bad because you'd get these stealth pathogens in the colon because your immune system so compromised paired with the HIV medicine at the time that people would die. They die in two months. And there's, there was this one study that I found. They were like 90% of the people, 80, 85% of the people were cured forever with this AIDS induced diarrhea from ozone therapy in 30 days, 93. Do you know how many people who had died after that time? And it's like, nope. I was like, why it's sitting there on PubMed, but it's not, it was one of those first times I had an aha moment. I was like, oh, it's not about medicine. It's a business. It's capitalism. You can't charge for oxygen. <laughs> it's pennies on the dollar. You take oxygen and you charge it through a tube with electricity and you make ozone, which is O3, three molecules of oxygen. Well, when that oxygen hits the blood, any pathogen, any virus, it's gone and you're oxygenating the system. So this is something I was doing at home and I was like, what else is out there? You know? So eventually it was like, I, I had found a, a, a red light to work on scar tissue on my belly, very different system than the panels we see today, but almost like a pad system or like this box with these different wavelengths. And, and that really helped the pain in my stomach. You know, I got the, um, I bought an amp coil system online, which is PEMF and frequency therapy. And I was probably going to the emergency room like every three months where they'd be like, we're going to cut you. We're going to cut you. And then it would either release because my body would just release that intestine that was tied with scar tissue or it wouldn't. And then they do surgery. So I got the coil in 2018. I've never had surgery again. I didn't do anything else. So like I started to have this experience it was like, oh shit this stuff works. You know, I was like, I just went four months with like no hospital visits. And I just flew from like New York to California, back to New York. I went skiing in Tahoe. I was like, this is not normal. Mm. You know? So I started to have these like little wins within this. We'll, we'll say biohacking. It's really wellness. Biohacking is a, it's a term. And doors started to open. I was like, Oh my God, what could I, should I talk about this? Should I, you know, cause the whole time I went through all my stuff, I like, I wrote, I wrote a blog called Dr. Fred on some, I can't remember the platform. I would write articles. I would email them to my friends. I would, I got great value in listening to like Tim Ferriss and Luke Story and Dave Asprey and anybody I could get my hands on. And I would sometimes record my blogs. I was like, what? I was like, I could do a podcast one day. I was like, no, no, no. So for years and years, I was sort of doing this, but was like, oh, you, you know, that's, it was on the back burner. And I would say like this, 
you know, is very synergistically the, the thing that I started to do is how can I understand what's happening to my body in a better way? So I started to get certified in some things like functional medicine, Institute for Functional Health Coaching, um, University of Colorado for Gut Health. You know, I wanted to understand what I was speaking about, not just regurgitating what I heard from other health influencers and really like as an, as a, I'm not an engineer, but having that engineering brain and background and fifth generation mechanical engineer, I wanted to understand the system by which it was happening. So that's my brain works that way. So when something worked, I'm like, I need to know the mechanism of action. Why is the light going into the cell, releasing nitric oxide, um, hyper oxygenating the cell, allowing the cell to make more energy. And then my scar tissue is presenting different from a tactile nature. Why does that happen? What wavelengths, what power, how far from the skin, how often, <laughs> you know? And so I started to do that with a couple things. And then eventually I, I got on the phone with somebody at Amcoil and they were like, uh, you, we need to talk. You should like, you know, you should, you should partner with us. You should work with us in some capacity. And I'll tell you, embarrassingly enough, they were like, where's your resume? What are your credentials? <laughs> and, you know, I just, I basically. Uh, my life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I more or less, you know, I was like, oh, here's what I can do for, I totally spitballed on this. I was on with all their, their founders and their, the executive at the time and their sales manager and their marketing person. Here's what I can do for you. And I just channeled. I was like, you need to, I was like, I took a, and it booped into my head. I was like, I was on a sales call with somebody from your team and I already knew I wanted the product and the call was painful. It was long. They were nondescript in what they were offering. They did not do a good job at describing the technology. I was already bought, but the inefficiency on that call, I can help your team. And I just can't, I made up an outline and, and they, I started coaching their team and every single week I would be like, looking at like Gary V and the art of the clothes and Tony Robbins. And I'm like, I'm making up trainings as we go. And I would get on, I would train the team and, and they, and it did really well. Like they, they went from a steady, you know, we, we climbed like 40% in like four or five months. So that was the start of it, you know? And then just understanding that, oh, it's like, well, this works. How do you explain it? And I just saw a great gap in the people that were my avatar, the people that were lost in chronic illness you know, you, if you get on now and you look at like red light therapy, it's like, oh my God, how would I ever know what light to buy or what does what, what's a marketing ploy? What's real? It's really hard, you know? And so that's, that's been, um, that's, that is my North star to always advocate for this, the person who really needs help, not about the product, but where does the rubber meet the road with the end user? And yeah. I always have that in my heart when I'm on a call with somebody. So eventually this, the story is, and you know, I eventually I took over sales and we brought in a really fancy CRM, um, and you know, with, with the, with the help of this beautiful team. And we really like minimize what, how many people does it take to run a sales team with a really good CRM one, you know, you can be really efficient in these businesses. So it was a learning pro And so everything's been a, a, an amazing learning process. And then there's been like, you know, a hundred other examples of, um, consulting relationships or going to live events like, like Bulletproof and biohacking Congress and paleo effects and health optimization. And, you know, last year I went to, it was like 15 events and like all the best speakers in the world. And you get to hear people speak and you see where, 
your piece lands on stage in front of an audience and you see where um, you see what's missing and you talk to people. Where, where are you hurting? What's your pain point? You know, really interesting in the, the biohacking space, which I always say we want to we want to we want to be speaking to the people that are still eating candy bars, not the people that are injecting peptides and, and doing NAD, snorting NAD in the morning. That's not that's not our growth audience. <laughs> I haven't snorted it yet. <laughs> I haven't either. Do I have to? <laughs> no, no, I, I haven't either. Uh, yeah. Hell of an answer. And it reminds me, have you ever read the book Zero to One? No. Peter Thiel. Yeah. It reminds me of like zero to one, A to B mindset. A to B to Z is another mindset. It's like you don't get the Z from A. Like yeah. you got to go A to B. So like A for you, ozone therapy. And it's super helpful for, for people and whether they're in their career or they're having a health struggle, it's just like, what does B look like? Let's define that. So for instance, you mentioned poop earlier. Like for me, that was like my whole life has just been constantly constipated diarrhea and then shitting blood and just like what the hell's going on and, and stomach pain. So like A to B for me, if so, if a doctor... I got to be careful here because like it comes off as like I hate doctors, but it's just I've I haven't had anybody take the time to understand like an engineer would like let's understand your system. You have your your N equals one CJ. I'm not going to inject my information or a bias based on everything else that I've seen. Your N equals one. So if we're N equals one and they would to listen to me, it's just like, okay, what do you do in a day that causes some of this pain? Let's start there. B is let's take away some of the things that you are doing that you know you shouldn't be doing that are causing some of that pain. So if it was like in my 20s, it was like drinking alcohol, staying up late, eating fast food. So it's like, okay, get sleep, stop drinking alcohol, eat better food. All right, do you feel better, CJ? After a month, holy fuck, I feel like a completely changed man. So I didn't have to add in, now I have the sauna and the ice bath and the red light and all that. It really was just looking at myself as an N equals one. And you were doing that. It just sounds like, again, technology has been wild the past decade. Wild. Yeah, just absolutely wild. And you were just doing that, I think, in a time when it, you couldn't get on Instagram and YouTube and like see what other people were doing. But that's also like, I view it as a good and a bad thing because today, like there are so many options and you can you, you can be in like the middle of nowhere, Kansas and know about this stuff if you have the internet. But then also like what do you choose on the other end of that uh, becomes much tougher rather than when you were doing it, it was just like trial and error. Um, if somebody is struggling today and they're looking for solutions, let's speed up time. Like Freddie was struggling today, like today is day one. Right. How would you go about validating what the path should be? Because there is so much information, there is so much misinformation and overload of stimulus on what we should or shouldn't do. How do I decide? Yeah. It's it's a really it's really challenging. It's I I've witnessed because I have the you know, I have the benefit of of being in front of these people and and that is my my platform as I talk about chronic illness or I talk about cancer, I talk about Lyme and mold. And and these are like the walking wounded. It's like the most chronically ill people that would never look chronically ill from the outside, but they just, life sucks. And in this age of so much information, people are drowning in the options and the numbers and the data and the online programs. It's way too much. I always, I've, I've benefited so much for lifestyle 
through shifting lifestyle and you know the big ones like you said like how are you sleeping do you know how to breathe Mm. how much are you moving how much muscle do you have on your body what's your how are what's your nutrition and are you able to absorb what you're eating that's a huge one because if i were to go into my story what i found out through blood work was i was my glutathione process was messed up Mm -hmm. and I wasn't absorbing nutrients. And then I connect the dots like going backwards, like, holy crap, I couldn't keep weight on when I was younger. Well, it was because I was just missing a couple of vitamins and minerals. And then that's how I even end up meeting you through the MSW lounge is like, I went there, met them. And then I started supplementing with IVs and, and, uh, drinks that supplemented where I was deficient and holy crap, I feel better. And it was just like, but it, how long it took me to get to that point, how many things I had to try to then unlock certain things. And I had mm-hmm. to learn how to read blood work. I literally brought like a CBC analysis book. Um, I forget what it stands for. Um, but I was like understanding how to read my own blood work and what everything meant and how like the different distributions, like when you go to the doctor, they're looking at so much data that they you, they can't tell if you're off or not because even if you're in range, you might be off and learning that. Not to, not to cut you off, but I wanted to validate kind of like yeah. where you were going. Yeah, the, the, the field is so interesting. It's, the more I'm in this container, the less I want to offer anything to anyone. Like the more I'm in it, I just feel like I know nothing. Because even as of late, I've been really into the lymphatic system. And the nature of the lymphatic system is, if you look at a, a, at a 3D diagram of the body and you can like move through different layers do you know how little room the circulatory system takes up i have no clue (laughs) well you we're gonna we should pull it up later because it's like the circulatory system the veins and arteries venous supply going back to the heart it's like nothing your body is all it's like tissue and skeletal muscle and the space between space you have three times as much almost three times two and a half times as much lymphatic fluid as you do blood but blood chemistry is what we look at to identify disease or disease model. Interesting. Your lymphatic fluid is, is your inflammation mitigation system. It is your immune system. And so we have 600 to 1,000 lymph nodes around the body that represent like these little toilets. It's literally like a little, <laughs> it's like a toilet and then the lymphatic pathways are like the drainage system. Most Americans are blocked. When you have inflammation, when you have edema, when you have cellulite, when you have metabolic syndrome, when you have fatigue, when you have fatigue in the morning, you have a lymphatic problem. And it usually means most of these lymph nodes because of environmental toxicity or scar tissue or lack of movement, which the lymphatic system is not moved by a heart pumping muscle. It's all moved by the smooth muscle around the lymphatic system. So if you're not moving, it is stagnated. Now think about, just go in your head, think about where people are working today from home in their offices, just on screens, in cars, you're folding off these um, big tunnels where the lymphatic fluid would flow at your hip. It's like so horrible. And think about all these toilets that are clogged and does it really even matter if you eat McDonald's or you eat like clean supplements? Mm. It's all shit that's floating around your body that is just clogged. And so I just mentioned this system and, and because I've been thinking about it a lot lately and what are the solutions and, and what are its implications? And the lymphocytes are literally like walking around Walmart in your body and they're like, cancer, 
cancer, a million cancer cells a day. Cancer, cancer, how are we going to deal with it? And you, so your body battles cancer every day. But if the system's clogged and it's not moving past the lymphocytes, how are you even identifying viruses, pathogens, and cancer cells that are going to be a tumor in 10 years? You're not. So this is the wave of, of cancer that people are, this is one in two men, right? This is what we'll all be faced with unless we look at these systems, a systemist approach. And you don't hear about the lymphatic system and CrossFit <laughs> or I mean, per personal training or, or health. I mean, it's rare. This, and it's, yeah. This hits home with something I actually had written down here that you wrote um, that I wasn't sure if I was going to share or not, but it literally is like spot on. Uh, I don't know what article you wrote this on, but it hit home with me and I just pulled it. Fall in love with something. The most important thing is to understand why you are trying to be well and why you're trying to optimize or quote unquote biohack. To biohack just for the sake of optimization feels like an empty container. I look around and see that the world is struggling and that we need people at their best. So fall in love with something is a powerful quote that resonates with me. My question following up with that was what has Freddie fallen in love with recently? Is it the lymphatic system? It is, yeah. Drainage. How does somebody go about understanding more about the lymphatic system and drainage of the lymphatic system? Because this is new. This is even new to my ears. Uh, some of the things that yeah. you're saying. Yeah, there's so many great educators out there. There's Kelly Kennedy. I think it's Perry Nicholson, and and it's just it's it's fascinating the fact that it doesn't have a pump. You know, like the heart. You think about the heart and. The, the fact that the, um, the body's going to do whatever it can to keep toxins and offenders out of the bloodstream. You know, this is where we, I've learned from going through Lyme disease is that you can often have a negative test, but what's happened is these spiral bacteria, much like syphilis, have burrowed into the tendons and cartilage and joints where there is no blood flow. So how does the immune system get in there to fight it? Why do you still have chronic pain and inflammation post-long-term Lyme syndrome, whatever they're labeling it now, but it's the, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. The body functions like this beautiful ecosystem of democracy. It's, it's amazing. And the universe functions this way too. It's like, you're going to have a force and then you're going to have a reaction. So we have this amazing, I love to, I'll, I'm going back to your question, like how do I understand this or learn about it? There's thought leaders out there, but if you look at the body like um, a fish tank and you know, you got the beautiful blue rocks and you've got scuba Steve and you've got oxygen bubbling up. If you put a cloth over the tank and you turn off the oxygen and you leave the tank for four or five days and come back, it's full of mold and viruses. Nobody came by and like, coughed in that tank nobody came by and put a syringe of like a, a, a stealth pathogen in there it was in that tank in a properly balanced level because the ph was right given the salinity of the water and the oxygen and the light you don't really function that different than a plant <laughs> right you thrive off these things i just mentioned yep so you can see which We've got this fish tank. What would be one of the most important things to have this fish tank? It'd be have that have that filter running in that water. Have that water being oxygenated and circulated through the system. It's kind of like the most important thing. So that's when I use that example to frame the lymphatic system. 
And if you aren't going to clean the filters, which are all these nodules around the body, um, your health is really, it's like all the other things, they don't, they don't matter a lot. It brings up an interesting thought for me that I've thought about before and it just came to mind is I've asked myself if I didn't grow up in the Northeast and I grew up in a place with more sun, would I have struggled the way that I did? Hmm. So the reason it, I, sun was the easiest factor because you have water and you have other things in our environment. But in the Northeast, you're like without sun for six months and yeah. in other parts of the country, even worse. And I've always thought like, wow, if I was a kid and grew up in the Southern states or like Texas, like I am now, would it have had a different impact on me? Because I'm doing all these things, right? I'm doing the IVs, I'm, I'm eating better and whatever. But the one thing that I can't really test for is like, I get a lot of sun and I'm outside a lot now and I sleep well. I can't, I can't factor in which, which has had the greatest impact. I just stumble upon certain things that seem to help me make, help make me feel better. And the reason I'm stating this is anybody that's listening to this, if you're struggling, like invite what you're, what you're stating is literally like the environment is an environment and you're pulling different levers in different capability and in, in different times you have capability, the capability to change that environment. So like if you're in the Northeast right now, you can get a red light and maybe it'll help you a little bit cause you're not getting as much sun. But the other way that you can go around this if, is literally just move to a state with more sunlight. Where I'm going with this is it reminds me of, um, I think it was like Louis Pasteur. The, the, re, the way that we have the whole healthcare system is going back to a fish tank, just like you were saying. Um, the fish died, they always open up the fish. They never look at the tank that the fish was in. And your story just brings that to light because it's the same tank, just one variable that changed. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to think about like the different variables in our own bodies and like what we're putting into them and like, what's that highest weighted variable. And I like what you said, the key to the healthcare system should really be figuring out those systems of the highest variable. Mm -hmm. So if it's like the lymph system, like how do we improve that system? Because then if you eat McDonald's or you eat whatever, like yes, the McDonald's might affect you worse over the long run than something else, but it's not going going to be negligible in the short term. Um, and I don't think enough people really understand that they're always looking for the quick fix. Um, yeah, this has been such a wonderful conversation. We just got to an hour. So I want to get to the point of, uh, I, I value <laughs> your time very much. So of course, um, of course. uh, before we do our wrap up questions, I'd love for you to just speak about like what it is that you're working on today. Um, who you're helping, products yeah. that you're using, anything that you want to speak about, you have the open floor right now because my goal right here is to just get anybody connected with you uh, with the things you're doing and the things that are, seem to be helping your life. Yeah, so the the big one is the Beautifully Broken podcast and that's a podcast I do and we everything is through the lens of chronic illness. So if we have a technology on like the guys from Simply 03 and talk about ozone therapy at home or if we have something like we're looking at a, a new form of humic and fulvic acids that are charged to be able to bind a biotoxin from Lyme. It's always through that, that lens of, um, the person who is struggling. And, and like you said, we're trying to put together a systems approach 
to how I frame radical ownership of health. So you have to know your body. And that's that theme comes up again and again on the podcast. The podcast is free. I don't have a course. I don't have anything I, I, I promote on the platform. It's all free content. And one thing I've done is I've taken that theater, television, film background, and I've, I've started to put this stuff on YouTube. So if I have a product that I absolutely love, I like unbox it. And the angle I've kind of taken is it's like, let's unbox an ozone machine and how long till you could do treatment one. It's like, you know, it's like 10 minutes because you say ozone gas. And I know we mentioned injectables in the show, but there's, there's ways to do uh, rectal ozone at home, which is so safe, just as effective as anything else. Um, there's great science to support its cases, a longevity drug, and it can sound intimidating to somebody. And overwhelming. Overwhelming. It's like, oh, let's, let's have Freddie like giggle through it in eight to 10 minutes. And like, it'll, it'll listen, it'll be fun. So that's my idea is to make these things more accessible. I think that's how we'll have affect the wave of change is, is again, bringing understanding. Where does it sit? Order of operations. You know, who is this good for? Who is it not good for? Uh, as you know, it's easy to chase the toys and the gimmicks and and all the tools that we can buy. That is not going to heal you. It'll be the energy behind the action. It'll be a systems approach to deeper to understanding your body on a deeper level. That that's huge, and I see that again and again and again. It's like how you do anything is how you do everything, and I just I fucking believe that. I think it's how you open the refrigerator. I think it's how you set down a coffee cup. I think it's how you make eye contact in the grocery store. And and even if you don't feel good, if you don't feel like doing that, fucking fake it. Because you will eventually step into that person that is there to help other people, even if you feel like death. And I, and I read a quote this morning that was just like, it talks about like most of it is just showing up, right? Yeah. Like, most of the success in life is showing up. And even if you're not feeling great, at least be nice. At least and it be like nice. hit, it hit home. It was just like, okay, like what they're really trying to say is in any given moment, show up like you mean it. Hmm. But even in the times of like where you're pain, where you're in pain or things aren't going your way, like the least amount that you can do is just like be good to yourself and other people around you. Yeah. Um, and I think you're such an example of that. And, what it reminds me of for those listening and want to check Freddie's YouTube out, you're almost like building like an encyclopedia of health. But um, the, what are the books like the the do the books for dummies or whatever? Like yeah. where it's like lowering the the you're, you're bridging the gap is what I would say from being the the nerdy people who do this every day versus the people that we really want to impact um, out there. Where it's we don't care what you do, we just want you to do something empowering for your own health and what freddie's doing is literally giving you i would say like a cookbook of different options that you could potentially invest in yourself with and i love it it, it looks awesome and and i'm excited to put that out in the world thanks man yeah i'm excited about it so there's that i write article i just wrote an article on rectal ozone like how to set it up what's the gamma What's the milliliters? What's the frequency? What if I've got a chronic illness? You know, how do I load my, uh, get my oxygen tank filled without a prescription? Like just simple stuff for people to read and go explore, not a doctor, not medical advice, but, and, and then pulling like the six big studies. Like I mentioned the AIDS induced diarrhea or, um, even the effect of metastatic 
cancer on satellite cells and, and breast tissue or chronic knee pain or, you know, and, and really, really profound numbers, like knocking it out of the park. I just use that. I use ozone as an example, which it's something that can't be really, it's, it's hard to profitize it in, in the medical model. So it doesn't get noise, but it's really effective and profound. And I, I always go back to the, um, have a healthy level of distrust and dissatisfaction with our healthcare system. You know, if you, if you live in the uh, space of hate and victimhood, that will make you sicker. So we just have to stay curious about what we could be doing better. And so I just have every, everybody I talk to has the same feelings, whether you're, I'll be really triggering on your podcast, whether you believe in the vaccine or not the vaccine, vaccinated or unvaccinated, there was an 11% uptake on the last booster. So I look out at the world and I'm like, what you're telling me is we've got a lot of anti-vaxxers out there that also feel this like some level of dissatisfaction about what's being marketed, sold, and what system we're living in. Because I look around and I see all the cancer numbers going up. I see all the, aut- all the autism rates going up. 438,000 people diagnosed with Lyme disease. It's just, we're just all getting it. They're not all being bit by ticks. These are things that are in the fucking fish tank. And this is, this is, I think this is the question you've got to ask yourself. If you're happy and it's working for you, go about living your life. But if you feel some level of dissatisfaction where we know we could be doing better, like that's the message that I am curating. That is what I'm spending my time on. I love it. Beautifully said. Where, if anybody was listening to this, where do they find you? How do they get in contact with you? Um, on Instagram a lot. I'm on YouTube. YouTube's beautifully broken world. Beautifully broken dot world is Instagram. The website is beautifully broken dot world. And I'm in Austin, Texas. So you should come find me there too. Cause I love a wellness event. <laughs> me too. Every, at the end of every episode, I go through what my biggest takeaway was this. This was such an intriguing conversation personally a takeaway was looking i want to look into the lymph system after this um because i haven't heard that talked about really Mm. and i'm super nerdy and always looking. we could do a a lymph episode if you want i mean i'm down and you we we, you just (laughs) let me get let me get some research under it so i feel like i'm asking better questions and in that arena because i'm very not well versed um but overall i think the the theme that i've been picking up from this episode which is just such a great reminder that you can pull from your experiences of your past to have an impact on the present if you're willing to put yourself out there like you said and take one step at a time with that that positive mindset of I'm here right now I don't know exactly where I'm going but I've already done X, Y, Z in my past. I'm going to pull from that to just propel me into the future. And what I mean by that is when I look at your story of going from Broadway to your struggles with health to then becoming a biohacker and really infiltrating a scene that needs more good quality people in it that aren't pushing things to push things, but are doing the research and getting certified and understanding that it, certain things aren't for everybody. We need more people like that. And I think the only way to really lead in that way, like Freddie is here doing, is to 
understand your own story and who you are. And you mentioned that at the very beginning of this episode where you felt like you knew who you were. And when you went to theater, it only amplified who you were. So my call to action for anybody who's made it this far in the conversation is to figure out your story and who you truly are and surround yourself with people like Freddie who amplify that person. Because to me, that's where health is found is with who you are. Mm. You know who you are and know why you're showing up every single day. It's much easier to say no to things that are going to have a negative impact on you, negatively stress you. And that is the gateway to all the cool things that we talked about here today. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today, Freddie. It was very impactful and I'm, I'm excited for future conversations. Anybody else that's listening out there, the best thing that you can do for us is if you like this episode, share it with somebody that you think could be impacted by Freddie's story. Give us that five-star rating and review and I will see you guys next time. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.